Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Informed Catholic Podcast. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 116, second season of the Informed Catholic. And um, <clears throat> for this episode, we're going to focus on the testimony of Archbishop Carlo Maria Viganò. Uh, his fam famous testimony that he uh, put out on August 22nd, uh, 2018, that placed him on the world stage. Uh, mainly um, when he um, basically had to deal with the, the uh, great uh, infamous McCarrick scandals. Uh, he had to clear up his name. Uh, he wanted to clear up the fact that there were many people who knew about McCarrick and who covered up and that McCarrick couldn't have gotten this far on his own without uh, other people. And, you know, anyway, the McCarrick, the famous homosexual pedophile predator. And, um, you know, one of the things that worry me about this is that um, these scandals, uh, ever since the whole... Boston uh, scandals, the uh, other scandals that came out throughout all the United States from different archdioceses, victims of sexual abuse by clerics, by priests, and uh, the cover-up. And sadly, cover-ups like these, um, there's always more than one, one person involved. Not just the bishop, not just the priest. Sometimes it's lay people uh, who are involved in all this. And sadly, um, what's sad about it is the victims. The victims lose faith. The family members lose faith. They abandon the church. Uh, other people who listen to all this and they see one scandal after another. It's not just one or two or three. It's hundreds. Hundreds and it goes into thousands. And it's tragic. It destroys the lives of people physically, mentally, spiritually, intellectually. It destroys everything. It destroys their faith in God. It destroys in, uh, in their faith in the sacraments. It drives them away. And it drives away people who are listening to all this and hear about everything that's going on. And we have to remember... Um, they are not the church. They are not the church. The Pope is not the church. The bishops are not the church. The cardinals are not the church. The religious sisters who are involved with, let's say, the scandals of cover-up are not the church. Jesus Christ is the church. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The church exists because of him. Now, people would ask, then why all this evil? If he is the church, then why is all this why all this evil exists? And I think we had we gotta remember something here is that our Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the only begotten Son of the Father who is true God and true man, decided to come into a world of sin, a fallen world. Only he 
is the only one who is pure and perfect. And this is something we have to remember. And he decided he came into the world. And, well, people would ask, why didn't he change everything? Why didn't he get rid of the devil? Why didn't he correct everything? Well, you got to remember, a lot of us haven't been born yet. God is very, very patient. The world didn't just turn evil, uh, let's say, a hundred years before Christ came into the world. No, the world is the world was evil since the fall, since Adam and Eve decided to, to, to disobey our Lord and disobey and, and committed sin. Yes, he is very patient, but he is not going to violate free will. Free will is one of the most important things that God wanted to give us. And free will is important to him. So um, that's one of the things we got to remember. Now, um, I really want to go into the testimony. So let's stop. I'll stop right now talking and I'll start reading the testimony and then we'll do a little commentary on it. All right, let's begin. All right, this is Archbishop Carla Maria Viganos' uh, letter uh, published uh, August 25th, okay, I'm going to correct myself. Actually, it was published August 25th, 2018, but his letter is dated August 22nd, 2018. Testimony by His Excellency, Carlo Maria Vigano, Totelier, Archbishop of Ulpenia, Apostolic Nuncio. August 22nd, 2018. In this tragic moment for the church in various parts of the world, the United States, Chile, Honduras, Australia, etc. Bishops have a very grave responsibility. I am thinking in particular of the United States of America, where I was sent as apostolic nuncio by Pope Benedict XVI on October 19, 2011, the memorial feast of the first North American martyrs. The bishops of the United States are called an I with them to follow the example of these first martyrs who brought the gospel to the lands of America to be credible witnesses of the immeasurable love of Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Bishops and priests abusing their authority have committed horrendous crimes to the detriment of their faithful minors innocent victims, and young men eager to offer their lives to the church or by their silence have not prevented that such crimes continue to be perpetuated. To restore the beauty of holiness to the face of the bride of Christ, which is terribly disfigured by so many abominable crimes. And if we truly want to free the church from the fetid swamp, into which she has fallen, we must have the courage to tear down the culture of secrecy and publicly confess the truth we have kept hidden. We must tear down the conspiracy of silence with which bishops and priests have protected themselves at the expense of their faithful, a conspiracy of sounds that in the eye of the world risks making the church look like a sect, a conspiracy of silence 
not so dissimilar from the one that prevails in the mafia. Whatever you have said in the dark shall be proclaimed from the housetops. Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 12, verse 3. I had always believed and hoped that the hierarchy of the church could find within itself the spiritual resources and strength to tell the whole truth, to amend and to renew itself. That is why, even though I had repeatedly been asked to do uh, so, I've always avoided making statements to the media, even when it would have been my right to do so, in order to defend myself against the calumnies published about me, even by high-ranking prelates of the Roman Curia. But now that the, uh, that the corruption has reached the very top of the church's church's uh, hierarchy, my conscience dictates that I reveal the, those truths regarding the heartbreaking cases of the Archbishop Emeritus of Washington, D.C., Theodore McCarrick, which I came to know in the course of the duties entrusted to me by St. John Paul II as delegate for pontifical representations from 1998 to 2009, and by Pope Benedict XVI as Apostolic Nuncio to the United States of America from October 19, 2011 until the end of May 2016. So, let's continue. As delegate for pontifical representation in the Secretariat of State, my responsibilities were not limited to the Apostolic Nunciere, but also included the staff of the Roman Curia, hires, promotions, informational processes on candidates to the Episcopate, and the examination of delicate cases, including those regarding cardinals and bishops that were entrusted to the delegate by the Cardinal Secretary of State or by the substitute of the Secretariat of State. To dispel suspicions insinuated in several recent articles, I will immediately say that the Apostolic Nuncio in the United States, Gabriel Montalvo and Pietro Sambi, both prematurely deceased, did not fail to inform the Holy See immediately as immoral behavior with the seminarians and priests indeed, according to what Nuncio Pietro Sambi wrote. Father Boniface Ramsey, O.P., later dated November 22, 2000, was written at the request of the late Nuncio Montalvo. In the letter, Father Ramsey, who had been a professor at the Diocesan Seminary in New York, no, Newark, I'm sorry, in Newark, from the end of the 80s until 1996, affirmed that there was a recurring rumor in the seminaries that the Archbishop shared his bed with seminarians, inviting five at a time to spend the weekend with him at the beach house. And he added that he knew a certain number of seminarians, some whom were later ordained priests for the Archdiocese of Newark, who had been invited to his beach house and had shared a bed with the Archbishop. The 
the office that had I held at the time was not informed of any measure taken by the Holy See after those charges were brought by Nuncio Montalvo at the end of 2000 when Cardinal Angelo Sadano was Secretary of State. Likewise, Nuncio Sambi transmitted to the Cardinal Secretary of State Torgasio Broton in, in, in an indictment memorandum against McCarrick by the priest Gregory Littleton of the, of the Diocese of Charlotte, who was reduced to the lay state for violation of minors together with two documents from the same Littleton, in which he recounted his tragic story of sexual abuse by then Archbishop of Newark and several other priests and seminarians. The nuncio added that Littleton had already forwarded his memorandum to about 20 people, including civil and ecclesiastical judicial authorities, police and lawyers, in June 2006, that it was therefore very likely that the news would soon be made public. He therefore called for a prompt intervention by the Holy See. All right, I'm going to back up a little bit and read this last paragraph before we go into the next one. Likewise, Nuncio Sambi transmitted to the Cardinal Secretary of State Torgasio Berton an indictment memorandum against McCarrick by the priest Gregory Littleton of the Diocese of Charlotte, who was reduced to the lay state for violation of minors, together with two documents from the the same Littleton, which he recounted his tragic story of sexual abuse by then Archbishop of Newark and several other priests and seminarians. The nuncio added that Littleton had already forwarded his memorandum to about 20 people, including civil and ecclesiastical judicial authorities, police and lawyers, in June 2006, and it was therefore very likely that the news would soon be made public. He therefore called for a prompt intervention by the Holy See. All right, so we got that part clear. In writing up a memo on these documents that were entrusted to me as delicate for pontifical representations on December, um, December 6, 2006, I wrote to my superior, Cardinal Torcasio Breton and the substitute Leonardo Sandri that the facts attributed to McCarrick by Littleton were of such gravity and vileness, vileness as to provoke bewilderment, a sense of disgust, deep sorrow and bitterness in the reader and that they constituted the crimes of seducing requesting depraved acts of, of seminarians and priests repeatedly and simultaneously with several other people, derision of, derision of young seminarians who tried to resist the archbishop's seductions in the presence of two other priests, absolution of, uh, absolution of the accomplices in these depraved acts, sacrilegious celebrations of the Eucharist with the same priest after committing such acts. Wow. <laughs> okay. I think we're going I want to read this one more time so we can get this clear. Wow. All right. 
in writing up a memo on these documents that were entrusted to me as delicate for pontifical representations on December 6, 2006, I wrote to my superior Cardinal Tocarzio Breton and the substitute Leonardo Sandri that the facts attributed to McCarrick, this is Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, by Littleton, who was now uh, laicized, were of such gravity and violence as to provoke bewilderment, a sense of disgust, deep sorrow and bitterness in the reader, and that they constituted the crimes of seducing, requesting depraved acts of, uh, depraved acts of seminarians and priests repeatedly and simultaneously with several people derision of young Samaritans who tried to resist the archbishop's seductions in the presence of two other priests absolution of the of the accomplices in these depraved acts sacrilegious celebration of the eucharist with the same priest after committing such acts wow in my memo, which I delivered on the same December 6, 2006, to my direct superior, the substitute Leonardo Sandri, I proposed the following considerations and course of actions to my superiors. Given that it would, given that it seemed a new scandal of particular gravity, as it regarded card, uh, a cardinal, was going to be added to the many scandals for the church in the United States, and that since this matter had to do with a cardinal, and according to canon law, 1405, uh, verses uh, 1, number 2, Romani. sorry, my Latin's not great, pontificus, okay, I'm not going to read it anymore, all right, I propose that an exemplary measure be taken against the cardinal that could have a uh, medicinal function to prevent future abuses against innocent victims and elevate the very serious scandal for the faithful who, despite everything, continue to love and believe in the church. All right, so let's read it one more time and I'll try to read the Latin and forgive me for butchering it. Given that it seemed a new scandal of particular gravity, as it regarded a cardinal was going to be added to the many scandals for the church in the United States, and that since this matter had to do with a cardinal, and according to canon law, 1405, uh, 1, and number 2, the Romani Pontificus Damasius Eos Est Idiantkenti. <laughs> okay, sorry. I propose that an exemplary measure be taken against the cardinal that could have a medicinal function to prevent future abuses against innocent victims and elevate the very serious scandal for the faithful who, despite everything, continue to love and believe in the church. I added that it would be a solitary if for once ecclesiastical authority would, have in, would, have, would intervene Okay, I'm going to read one. I added that it would be solitary if, for once, uh, an ecclesiastical authority would have intervened before the civil authorities, and if possible, before the scandal had 
broken out to the uh, in the press. This could have restored some dignity to a church so sorely tried and humiliated by so many abominable acts on the part of some pastors. If there, if this was done, the civil authorities would no longer have to judge a cardinal, but a pastor with whom the church had already taken appropriate measures to prevent the cardinal from abusing his authority and continuing to destroy innocent victims. Okay, so... This particular paragraph is interesting. What he says here, I added that it would be solitary, uh, uh, solitary, if for once ecclesiastical authority would have to would intervene before the civil authorities, and if possible before the scandal had broken out in the press. This could have restored some dignity to a church so surly tried and humiliated by so many abominable acts on the part of some pastors. If this were done, the civil authorities would no longer have to judge a cardinal, but a pastor with whom the church had already taken appropriate measures to prevent the cardinal from abusing his authority and continuing to destroy innocent victims. All right. Um, yeah, so they wanted to take action against him and sort of like reduce him and then hand him over to the authorities. So therefore, at least it would give some measure of dignity to and, and the church acknowledging that this happened uh, to the, the victims. Um, I, I guess I, I don't see it I myself personally. I don't think the American bishops and I don't think Pope Francis wanted to. So let's continue again. All the memos, letters, and other documentation mentioned here are available at the Secretariat of State of the Holy See at the Apostolic Nunciature in Washington, D.C. My memo of December 6, 2006 was kept by my superiors and it was never returned to me with any actual decision by the superiors on this matter. Subsequently, around April 21st, 20. Uh, April 21st and 23 in 2008, the statement for Pope Benedict XVI about the pattern of sexual abuses crisis in the United States by Richard Sipp was published on the internet at the uh, Richard, richardsipp.com on April 24th. It was passed on by the prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, Cardinal William Lavda, to the Cardinal Secretary of State, to Cassio Breton, it was delivered to me one month later on May 24th, 2008. The following day, I delivered a new memo to the new substitute, Fernando Felonia, Feloni, which included my previous one of December 6, 2006 in it. I summarized Richard Sepp's document, which ended with this respect and heartfelt appeal to Pope Benedict XVI. I approach your holiness with due reverence, but with the same intensity that motivated Peter Damien to lay out before your, before your predecessor, Pope Leo IX, a description of the condition of the clergy during his, during his time. The problem he spoke of are, are similar and as great now in the United States as they were then in Rome. If your holiness requests, I will personally submit to you documentation of that about which I have spoken.
I ended my memo by repeating to my superiors that I thought it was necessary to intervene as soon as possible by removing the Colonel's hat from Colonel McCarrick and that he should be subject to the sanctions established by the Code of Canon Law, which also provide for reduction to the lay state. All right. That goes back what we heard what I said before when we had to read that again. This second memo of mine was also never returned to the personal office, and I was greatly dismayed at my superiors for the inconceivable absence of any measures against the cardinal and for the continuing lack of communication with me since my first memo in December 2006. So let's read this part again one more time. This second memo of mine was also never returned to the personnel office, and I was greatly dismayed at my superiors for the inconceivable absence of any measure against the cardinal and for the continuing lack of any communication with me since my first memo in, t in December 2006. This is not good. But finally, I learned with certainty through Cardinal Giovanni Battista Rey, then prefect of the Congregation for Bishops, that Richard Sepp's courageous and notorious statement had had the desired result. Pope Benedict had imposed on Cardinal McCarrick sanctions similar to those now imposed on him by Pope Francis. The Cardinal was to leave the seminary where he was living. He was forbidden to celebrate Mass in public, to participate in public meetings, to give lectures, to travel, with the obligation of dedicating himself to a life of prayer and penance. All right. I do not know when Pope Benedict took these measures against McCarrick, whether in 2009 or 2010, because in the meantime, I had been transferred to the to the governorate of Vatican City State, just as I do not know who was responsible for this incredible delay. I certainly do not believe it was Pope Benedict, who, as Cardinal, had repeatedly denounced the corruptions present in the Church in the first month of his pontificate, had already taken in a firm stand against the admissions in, into seminary of young men with deep homosexual tendencies. I, tendencies. I believe it was due to the Pope's first colla uh, collaborator, uh, collaborator at the time, Cardinal Tercarsi Breton, who notoriously favored promoting homosexuals into positions of responsibility and was accustomed to managing the information he thought appropriate to convey to the Pope. Interesting. Okay, I think this part, let's read it one more time carefully and so we can figure out what's going on here. I do not know when Pope Benedict took these measures against McCarrick, whether in 2009 or 2010, because in the meantime, I had been transferred to the governorate of the Vatican City State, just as I do not know who was responsible for this incredible delay. I certainly do not believe it was Pope Benedict, who as Cardinal had repeatedly denounced the corruptions present in the church and in the, in the first months of of admission of, of his pontificate had already taken a firm stand against 
the admission into seminary of young men with deep homosexual tendencies. I believe it was due to the Pope's first collaborator at the time, Cardinal Tecorcio Breton, who notoriously favored promoting homosexuals into positions of responsibility and was, in, was accustomed to, to managing the information he thought appropriate to convey to the Pope. Interesting. So we got an idea here of the politics. Um, so this uh, Tercarsi, Cardinal um, Tercarsi, Breton, who notoriously favored promoting homosexuals into positions of responsibility and was accustomed to managing the information he thought appropriate to convey to the Pope. So we get an idea here. Possibly he was the one that kind of like delayed things. It's possibly he could have been the one. That's what I think Vigano is saying here. He has no proof. He has no idea why it was delayed. He has no idea why actions weren't taken right away. But unfortunately, I think action against McCarrick were taken too late. And I think it's because of people like this Breton, Cardinal Tocasio Breton, who is responsible for this. Possibly. We don't know. But let's, go, let's continue. In any case... What is certain is that Pope Benedict imposed the above canonical sanctions on McCarrick and that they were com communicated to him by the apostolic nuncio to the United States, Pietro Sambri, Monsignor Jean Francis Franciscos uh, uh, Lanthium, then first counselor of the nunciator in Washington and charged charge d'affaires um, sorry if I butchered those after the unexpected death of Nuncio Sambi in Baltimore he told me when I arrived in Washington and he is already to testify to it about a stormy conversation lasting over an hour that Nuncio Sambi had with Cardinal McCarrick whom he had summoned to the nunciere Monsignor uh, Lentium told me that the nuncio's voice could be heard all the way out in the corridor. <laughs> all right, one more time so we can get it clear. In any case, what is certain is that the Pope, that Pope Benedict imposed the above canonical sanctions on McCarrick and that they were communicated to him by the apostolic nuncio to the United States, Pietro Sambri, Monsignor Jean, Jean Francios, Lunth, uh, Francios Luntium, Lantuntium, sorry if I butchered that one, the first conciliar of Nunciator in the Washington, D.C., uh, and Charaj de Affaires, after the unexpected death of Nuncio Sambi in Baltimore, told me when I arrived in Washington, and he is already to testify to it about a stormy conversation lasting over an hour that Nuncio Sambi had with Cardinal McCarrick, whom he had summoned to the Nunciere Monsignor Lanthanium, told me that the Nuncio's voice could be heard all the way down, all the way out into the corridor. All right, so it was uh, uh, McCarrick didn't take it very well. 
Pope Benedict's same dispositions were then also communicated to me by the new prefect of the congregation for bishops, Condal Marek Olet, in November 2011 in a conversation before my departure for Washington and were included among the instructions of the same congregation to the new nuncio. In turn, I repeated them to Cardinal McCarrick at my first meeting with him at the nunciere. The cardinal's mutterings in a barely comprehensible way admitted that he had to, he had perhaps made the mistake of sleeping in the same bed with the same with some seminarians at his beach house. But he said this is, he said this as if it were, as if it had no importance. One more time. In turn, I repeated them to Cardinal McCarrick at my first meeting with him at the Nunciere. The cardinal's mead, muttering in a barely comprehensible way admitted that he had perhaps made the mistake of sleeping in the same bed with some seminarians at his beach house, but he said this as if it were, as if it had no importance. Oh boy, the faithful insistently wonder how it was possible for him to be appointed to Washington as a cardinal, and they have even, they had every right to know who knew and who covered up his grave misdeeds. It is therefore my duty to reveal what I know about this, beginning with the Roman Courier. Cardinal Angelo Sadano was Secretary of State until September 2006. All informations was communicated to him. In November 2000, Nanzio Montalvo sent him in his report, passing on to him the uh, aforementioned uh, letter from Father Boniface Ramsey, in which he denounced the serious abuses committed by McCarrick. Okay. So, this is going to be interesting, this part here. Cardinal Angelo Sadano was Secretary of State until September 2006. All information was communicated to him. In November 2000, Nonzio Montalvo sent him his report, passing on to him the aforementioned letter from uh, the aforementioned letter from Father Boniface Ramsey, in which he denounced the serious abuses committed by McCarrick. It is known that Sedano tried to cover up the Father Marcial Marcial scandal to the end. He even removed the nuncio in Mexico City, Justo Muller, who refused to be an accomplice in his scheme to cover Marcial, and in his place. He appointed Sandri, then Nuncio, to Venezuela, who was willing to collaborate in the cover-up. Sadana even went so far as to issue a statement to the Vatican press office in which, he, in which a falsehood was affirmed. That is, that Pope Benedict had decided that the Marcial case should be considered closed. Benedict reacted despite Sadano's strenuous defense, and Marcial was found guilty and irrevocably condemned. Uh, let me stop here. There's actually a lot of people who try to uh, reverse that in order to put the blame on Benedict that he did know. But in actuality, that's not true. I looked it up. In the film, The Two Popes, I want to stop, you know, where they have like 
one playing Francis, the other one playing uh, Benedict XVI, they tried to make it look as though Pope Benedict was guilty, that he knew about it and he just ignored it. That is not true. That is absolutely a falsehood. Uh, because if we look at Francis, Francis, as we know, put uh, McCarrick back into action when he was warned by Benedict not to do it. So this, uh, whatever you hear, it's false. All right, let's continue. All right, so this particular guy here, this um, Sadano, obviously uh, wanted to do it differently. He wanted to uh, he wanted to go ahead and cover up the Father Marcial Marcial scandals. That's another notorious one for a different story. Was McCarrick appointment to Washington as Cardinal the work of Sadano? When John Paul II was already very ill, we are not given to know. However, it is legitimate to think so, but I do not think he was the only one responsible for this. McCarrick frequently went to Rome and made friends everywhere at all levels of the Curia. If Sardano had, pro uh, had protected Marcial, as seems certain, there is no reason why he wouldn't have done so for McCarrick, who, according to many, had the financial means to influence decisions. His nomination to Washington was opposed by then prefect of the congregation for bishops, Cardinal Giovanni Battista Rey, at the, at the Nunciere in Washington. There is an, a note written in his hand which Cardinal Rey disassociates himself from the appointment and states that McCarrick was the 14th on the list for Washington. This is interesting. This is very interesting. So McCarrick's uh, reputation and his monstrous shadow uh, followed him everywhere. In other words, if people who, did, who knew about him did not like him and opposed him, opposed his rising to power, then therefore McCarrick had a network, a web network of people who actually either feared him, he knew secrets about them, and they also protected each other. This is one of, there's a report from LifeSite News, which I'm going to do, that actually mentions this. So this is, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on. So Nuncio Sambi's report with all the attachments was sent to Cardinal Tercasio Breton as Secretary of State. My two above mentioned memos of December 6, 2006 and May 25th, 2008 were also presumably handed over to him by the, by the substitute. As already mentioned, the Cardinal had no difficulty in, 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 in insistently presenting for the Episcopate candidates known to have active, homo, uh, active homosexuality. I cite only the well-known case uh, of Vincenzo de Moro, who was appointed Archbishop of, uh, of Vavigiano and later removed because he was undermining his seminarians in filtering and manipulating the information he conveyed to Pope Benedict. Cardinal Pietro Perlone, the current Secretary of State, was also a complicated, a com complicit, I'm sorry, complicit in covering up the misdeeds of McCarrick, who had, after the election of Pope Francis, boasted openly of his travels and missions to various continents. In April 2014, the Washington Times had a front page report on McCarrick's trip 
to Central African Republic and on behalf of the State Department, no less. As Nuncio to Washington, I wrote to Colonel Prolon asking him if the sanctions imposed on McCarrick by Pope Benedict was still valid. Kiavien uh, sans diard that my letter never received any reply. I don't. I'm sorry about the the uh, the, the Italian. I'm guessing his letter was never replied. He sent a letter and his letter was never given a reply. The same can be said for Cardinal William Lavada, former prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, for Cardinal Mar Mark Olet, prefect of the Congregation for Bishops Lorenzo. Baltazari, former secretary of the same congregation for bishops, and Archbishop Ellison de, de, Jesus, Man, uh, de Jesus Montanari, current secretary of the same congregation, they were all aware by reason of their office of the sanctions imposed by Pope Benedict on McCarrick. Cardinal Leonardo Sondari, Fernando Fellini, and Angelo uh, Bacci, uh, Biacchi a substitute of the Secretary of State knew in every detail the situation regarding Cardinal McCarrick. Nor could Cardinals Giovanni uh, Lajalo and Dominique Mambradi have failed to know. As Secretary for Relations with States, they participated several times a week in coll uh, collegial meetings with the Secretary of State. As far as the Roman Curia is concerned, for the moment I will stop here even if the, same, uh, if the names of other priests in the Vatican are well known. Even some very close to Pope Francis, such as Cardinal Francisco Coco Palmero, sometimes called Coco Puffs, Archbishop Vinciano Paglia, who belonged to the homosexual current in the favor of subverting Catholic doctrine on homosexuality, a current a, a current already denounced in 1986 by Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, then prefect of the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith, in a letter to the bishops of the Catholic Church on pastoral care of homosexual persons, Cardinal Edwin Frederick O'Brien and Renato Raffaelli Montano also belonged to the same current, albeit with a different ideology. Others belonging to this current even reside at Dom Domus Sancte Marcia, I guess a place, obviously, if reside. Now, to the United States, obviously, the first have been informed of, this, of the measure taken by Pope Benedict. And was McCarrick's successor in Washington, uh, Washington C. Cardinal Donald Whirl, whose situation is now completely compromised by the recent revelations regarding his behavior as Bishop of Pittsburgh. It is absolutely unthinkable that Nuncio Sampi, who was an extremely, uh, extremely responsible person, loyal, direct, and explicit in his way of being, a true son of Ram, Ramjana did not speak to him about it in any case. I myself brought up the subject with Cardinal World on several occasions, and I certainly didn't need to go into detail because it was immediately clear to me that he was fully aware of it. I also remember in particular the fact that I had to draw his attention to it because I realized that an archdiocesan publication on the pack uh, on the back on the back cover, 
in color, there was an announcement inviting young men who thought they had a, a vocation to the priesthood to a meeting with Cardinal McCarrick. I immediately phoned Cardinal Whirl, who expressed his, to his, his surprise to me, telling me that he knew nothing about the announcement and that he could cancel it. If, as he now continues to state, he knew nothing of the abuse committed by McCarrick and the measures taken by Pope Benedict, how can, I, how can his answers be explained? He said he didn't know anything about it. You remember, uh, there's a famous uh, video that says this is not a massive, massive problem. It is a massive, massive problem. So I want to go over this part one more time and we'll stop at this point and we'll get back to it in part two. Okay, it's absolutely unthinkable that Nunzio Sambi, who was an extremely responsible person, loyal, direct, and explicit in his way of being, a true son of Romagina, did not speak to him about it. In any case, I myself brought up the subject with Cardinal Whirl on several occasions, and I certainly didn't need to go into detail, because it was immediately clear to me that he was fully aware of it. I also remember in particular that the fact that I had to draw his attention to it because, okay, hold on here. Sorry. All right. I also, um, he said he brought it up to him uh, on several occasions, and I certainly didn't need to go into detail because it was immediately clear to me that he was fully aware of it. I also remember in particular the fact that I had to draw his attention to it because I realized that in the Archdiocesan publication on the back cover in color. There was an announcement inviting young men who thought they had a vocation to the priesthood to a meeting with Cardinal McCarrick. I immediately phoned Cardinal World, who expressed his surprise to me, telling me that he knew nothing about that announcement and that he would cancel it, as if he now continues to state he knew nothing of the abuse committed by McCarrick and the measures taken by Pope Benedict. How can his answers be explained? His recent statements that he knew nothing about it, even though at first he cunningly referred to, to compensation for the two victims, are absolutely laughable. The Cardinal lies shamelessly and prevails upon his Chancellor, Monsignor, Antajali to lie as well. All right, we're going to stop here. Um, this this is a very important one because it shows you there is a web network. Uh, McCarrick was known as the kingmaker. Everybody, they say most of these men, most of these men in the United States who hold high positions of power in the Catholic Church those with strong liberal leanings. Uh, some believe there's a strong homosexual network, kind of like a spider's web network, where McCarrick is sort of here, this person is got his position here. And in many ways, you can trace back McCarrick's rise to Bernadine and other people who spelled in, uh, I guess, Cardinal or Cardinal Spelden, I guess his name was, McCarrick rose up through these men and McCarrick knew the game and he knew how to control people. Many of these men basically 
are loyal to each other. It's a culture, a world where they rise together or they fall together. And he couldn't have continued. He couldn't have had his way. He couldn't have, you know, had this this power. He couldn't have risen up unnoticed if men who oppose him notice this about him then it's conceivable that men who at least have the same nature some of them like michael vorisett are career priests and career superstar bishops they want to be in the church they want the fame they have this a different illusion about themselves therefore there are men with very strong perversion and they gravitate to other men with the same perversion. That's, that's, it's conceivable. So anyway, let's stop here and we'll get back again. So let's say a quick prayer in the end. I know we didn't begin one in the beginning, but let's start. Say one now. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Um, Our Lady, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, Guardian of the Holy Church, please pray for us. And we call upon uh, St. Athanasius uh, and with St. Thomas Aquinas. And uh, we call upon the intercession of St. Michael the Archangel. Please uh, pray and defend the Church. And St. Peter and Paul and St. John and St. John the Baptist. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God bless, and uh, we'll get back to part two soon.